0: All right. if we could finish up making our way to our seats. Who's left? We'll get started this morning. Thank you all for your cooperation. And we see little seats here and there. It's a good problem to have. Amen? We're all being together. This is wonderful. So glad you're able to be with us this morning. Welcome to Gateway Baptist Church. For those watching us online, we're so happy you're able to join us this morning. And for those who may be visiting with us for the first time or... Two or three times we want to extend a special greeting to you and hope you felt welcomed and loved as you entered here today and we're just excited to be in the presence of the Lord together as family. Just got a few announcements before we get started this morning with worshiping and uh, we're going to have Pastor Grady come up and have a couple other announcements as well. But just as a reminder, today at 4:30 is our every other week prayer gathering here on campus here in the sanctuary. Um, today at 4:30. Um, led by our elder Greg and his wife Cecilia, uh, just a time of intercession uh, for different, all sorts of things, interceding for our city, the nations, anything the Lord brings to y'all's hearts, so we encourage you, you can be here today at 4.30. Also, we mentioned this last week, um, we had this a wonderful talent show a couple years ago called Gateways Got Talent, and we're going to have another one on April 5th at 6 o'clock on a Friday night, Um, It's a talent showcase and an art showcase for those within our body and just so excited to see and experience the giftings the Lord has given us. Um, It could be the talent side, could be anything from singing, playing musical instruments, duets, monologues, Dramatization of scripture, stand-up comedy, poetry, dance, videography, all sorts of wonderful things. And then the art showcase um, can be any types of paintings or artwork. We even had some young men last uh, time do some Lego displays, which were really cool. And so just a wide variety of things. My daughter Haley will be directing the talent side, and uh, Lisa Glasscock will be leading the art showcase. So if you have any questions, all the information is online at gatewaybaptist.com under News and Events. And we ask that you go there to register for the auditions that will take place on March 4th, or you could talk to them individually if you have any questions about that, or even come see me and I can point you in the right direction. Also, ladies, we mentioned this last week, on April 12th and 13th, there will be a time to get together at Shaco Spring Retreat Center for a quiet women's retreat. Um, It'll be a time that you could have an extended opportunity to pray, read scripture, uh, reflect and rest. There will be a time you get together and fellowship together as a group, but everyone would have a private room and meals are provided. Uh, registration deadline is on March 10th for that. And as well, all the information and details are on the website. So I'm going to ask Pastor Grady to come up now and announce a couple of things.
1: Well, good morning, church family. Two things this morning. One, if you were at our annual member meeting back in December, one of the things we talked about, one of the good challenges we're facing, besides space in here is our booming kids ministry. And as we talked about at the annual member meeting, Molly, our children's director, does a phenomenal job, has been stretched really thin with how many kids are now involved in, in our in our kids ministry. And so what we proposed to and through the church budget back in December is we were going to create a new position to come alongside Molly and that is a preschool ministries director. For those who volunteer in the preschool, you see how packed it is back there. and So we need someone in a part-time role to be her ministry, to oversee that, to work alongside Molly. Molly will still be the children's ministry director, but we need a preschool director to work with Molly on that. And so through prayer and reflection and interviews, the elder team is excited to recommend to you to hire Kayla Watley. Kayla, right down here, wave to hire Kayla as our preschool (laughs) ministry director. So that is a great encouragement affirmation. This does take a church vote. We are congregational. And so like anything that's a church vote for hiring staff or budget things, we give you two weeks notice. So there will be a vote two weeks from today to call Kayla as our, as our preschool ministries director to work under Molly. We'll be sending you an email tomorrow with more information about that. And instead of having everyone move to the gym building for a, a voice vote in two weeks, we'll just do a ballot vote. Not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. So when you come in two weeks, there'll be ballots around the campus. You can pick up and cast your ballot in one of the ballot boxes around campus to affirm the recommendation from the elders to call Kayla. So we're excited about that Kayla and look forward to the vote in two weeks. Well I get the joy right now of introducing some of our new members who you as a congregation have already approved. So Jared and Rachel and your family, Clay, Jeff Sr., Darius and Whitley and your family, Karen and Mitchell, you guys call and come around the front. Come on down up here. I'm going to introduce you to the congregation here. Now we have others in process. These are the ones that we've been a little bit slow getting through. We had so many come through the membership class this past fall. And so we're we're still meeting with people and hearing their testimonies. But want to introduce all of them to you so you can see who they are. So we'll start down here on this end down here. So the very end down here, this is Clay Williams. Clay is from Dothan. He has two grown kids, Gabrielle and Anna. He's got a new six-and-a-half-month-old granddaughter, Lennon. Congratulations on that. He is working with Jeff Hans Sr., the guy standing next to him there doing roofing and remodeling, and he's in the process of getting his home inspector and claim adjuster license. He enjoys hunting and fishing and sporting events like football, basketball, and racing. He loves working on cars and small engines, and he said he feels extremely blessed to be welcomed into Gateway, and we feel blessed that you're here, Clay, excited to welcome you. Let's give a welcome to Clay. Standing next to him is Jeff Hand. Now, this is the different Jeff Hand from the Jeff Hand in the back of the room. So, this is actually Jeff Hand's father, so this is Jeff Hand Sr. He's a father of five kids, 13 grandkids, and two great-grandkids. He has spent many years working in roofing and remodeling and just recently started his own roofing and remodeling company here called Legacy Roofing and Remodeling. He enjoys fishing and sporting events, and he says he feels blessed to be a member of Gateway, and we feel blessed to have you here, Jeff. Let's welcome you to the Gateway family. So next to Jeff right here, this is Karen Murray. Karen says all of her immediate family is in Alabama now. Her mom, her brother, and his family, her nephew and his family. Her friends who are like family to her are scattered from Georgia to Texas, and they get together several times a year. She's in a helping profession and loves it and sees God's blessing daily in her work. She loves a good cup of coffee and hot tea with her friends, loves blues music, and loves dogs, which is good because she has a very stubborn, cranky Frenchie that she adopted six years ago. And she said, and we, ask, we always ask people, is there something interesting about yourself you'd like to share? She says she's taking her mom and brother to see the Oak Ridge Boys next month to recreate some Murray family ties from the 1980s. Karen, we're excited you're a part of the church family. Welcome to you. here, This is Mitchell Naylor, and so his wife, Emily, is already a member here, but Mitchell has just finished the membership process. His wife is the one, Emily, who you know from Meskels, and when I keep calling Emily Griffin, sorry, Mitchell, I keep forgetting her married name there, but this is Mitchell. His parents, his brother and sister-in-law, and six-month-old nephew all live up in Coleman. He said as, as to the end of July, he now has amazing in-laws and seven nieces and nephews. He's an engineer, manufacturing engineer with STERIS Corporation, in his free time, he enjoys golfing, fishing, barbecuing, and being hospitable and hosting people in his home. He said, I'm happy to be in Montgomery, and it's a joy to find biblical community at Gateway, and we're glad you're part of everything here. Let's welcome Mitchell. Over here, this is the Estevilo family. This is Darius and Whitley. They have their two children, Mateo, who's two years old and Miriam, who just turned one, they are all four from different states. Whitley was born and raised in Oklahoma, Darius is from New Hampshire, Mateo was born in Nebraska, and Miriam is born in Virginia. And so if that doesn't give you a hint yet, they are in the Air Force, they're a military family there. Darius is currently a student at ACSC on Maxwell, slated to stay at least another year to teach, which we are Really thankful for. They said they're generally pretty busy with school, homemaking, and entertaining the kids. Their favorite places in Montgomery so far are the Montgomery Zoo, the Alabama Safari, and of course, Bucky's, which a lot of us will give a hearty amen to. So let's welcome the Estiveles. And last but not least, down at the very end here, this is the Moberg family. This is Jared and Rachel. They are from Michigan. They are also military, but no, they are not Air Force. He is one of the rare Navy guys who has come through here. We got some Navy fans in the back back there. Uh, he is an, actually a naval dentist and currently at Maxwell for the year. Rachel is a homemaker, homeschools their kids. The Navy has taken them from California to Mississippi to Guam and to Sicily and now to Montgomery. Sicily to Montgomery, I'm sorry. there. <laughs> they have five kids, Everett who's nine, Henry who's eight, Roman, who's six, Naomi who's two, and they have a baby girl, Coming in May, and we are thrilled for you guys and rejoicing with you on that. They love the outdoors and all that goes with that. And he actually put what they love in the outdoors hunting, hiking, fishing, camping, traveling, swimming, scuba diving, spearfishing, RVing, biking, reading, I guess reading outdoors, outdoors raising farm animals, gardening, and et cetera. And I think there's a lot in that, et cetera, as well, from what I know about you guys. Now, this is kind of bittersweet for us because they wanted to join and be part, and they've done the process. But they're moving this June, so this is a they've been here for just a one-year assignment, and so they appreciate your prayers as they move to Norfolk, Virginia in June. He's been assigned to the USS Eisenhower aircraft carrier and says if you have good connections in Norfolk to please let them know. Let's welcome the, the Mobergs as well. well thanks guys we're excited for you guys we're going to head back to your seats right now for those there's others in the membership process we'll have more to introduce in the weeks to come which we are thankful for if you've been visiting gateway and not joined yet our membership class which is a required part to join here it's called the Foundations Class. It's coming up in April. We do it twice a year, so mark your calendars. It's the four Sundays in April at 9 a.m. during the Bible study hour, so there's childcare provided, and it's when you're already on campus, but there's four Sundays of April. We talk about what is the gospel and what is the church, and we talk more about what the church membership is and what it looks like to live in community. We cover a lot in that, so mark your calendars. Details are on the website, gatewaybaptist.com. And if you're interested, you can go ahead and register so you don't miss any details about it. I'm going to turn it back over to CJ. A few weeks back, we
0: mentioned um, how our teenagers were having an opportunity uh, this past weekend, yesterday and Friday, to participate in our annual Amplified D-Now weekend with the rest of 10 other churches in Montgomery. It was just a wonderful gathering. So I want to ask all of our teenagers who attended, all of our wonderful volunteers to stand. They've got their awesome shirts on. Y'all just give them a hand. They had a wonderful weekend. We appreciate y'all's prayers. God was at work this weekend. We love you guys, and thank you all volunteers, you adults that stepped up. I know the kids already applauded you this morning, but we appreciate you, and thank you to the congregation. I know many of you prayed for them. Uh, they had a very impactful weekend, and, you know, if you see them walking around with these shirts on, maybe after church, ask them how things went. Ask if the Lord spoke anything, just to engage with them and to continue to pray uh, for our teenagers and our youth group. God has blessed us with some wonderful kids, and obviously a lot of it mostly is attributed to the Lord, obviously, but to you as parents who are raising some wonderful young people. Very excited about that. Well, let's stand to our feet in our preparation to worship the Lord through song. I want to uh, read over us a psalm before we get started this morning. This is Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Let's worship our King this morning.
2: The wonder of wonders, what love is this? That Christ will die for me. His goodness, is merit, His righteousness. The sinners only me Oh, foolish pride, be crucified. The Word is His. I will not boast. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. See
0: Just pray that, as we just sing those words, that that is truly our heart's desire and our posture we take today. That regardless of the circumstances we're in, trials and storms, or we may be in a good place, God, that you've been working, and we're in a place of peace and rest and contentment in different situations of life, God. But that our heart's desire is, no matter what, we wait in your presence. That we recognize that you are all in all, you are our satisfaction. Lord, help us to not look to things of the world, to fill gaps or fill places of love, affection, emotion, comfort, faith. Lord, but we just look to you for you're the only source of life. You're the only source of hope. And Lord, I just do pray that you're working on our hearts right now, that that is truly the posture we take each day, each moment, to wait on you, to look to your word, for guidance and wisdom, understanding, direction, strength, encouragement, just everything that you are. And we thank you, Lord. You are there to meet us. You are waiting and longing for us to come to you. Even as a father allows a child to just hop up in his lap and just to hold us, to just be intimate with us, to allow us to feel your presence, Lord, and feel the warmth of your embrace, your unconditional love, you will never fail us. You'll never forsake us. You'll never reject us. You're always there. I pray we leave here with that encouragement and that assurance today, Lord, knowing that's who you are. And that's why we can come each week and offer these different prayers up to you, Lord, as we intercede, as we petition, knowing that you're a God who's faithful and good. You hear our prayers and we can submit that these will, you will act according to your will. For your glory and our good, so, Lord, we again, as we acknowledge early, we thank you, Lord, for our teenagers. We thank you for this weekend of Amplify. We thank you, Lord, for all the words that they heard through small groups, through the teachings, through times of worship, through times of just community and being together. We pray, God, you continue to shape them and solidify all those things they heard this weekend as you were convicting them and bringing them understanding of who you are. Draw them closer to yourself. Lord, we thank you for the volunteers. We pray that they, I know they heard the same words, the same teachings, We've, the same for them as they've been encouraged as adults, as parents, as husbands and wives, that you would encourage them as well, Lord, continue to draw them into more intimacy with you. And Lord, we just pray it will have a, a ripple effect into the rest of our youth group and to all the friends and family that they come into contact with on a weekly basis, that they know that they have been called to be your ambassadors, to be salt and light and to represent you in this world. to reach people with the gospel. Lord, we also thank you so much for our senior adults here at Gateway. We thank you for their lives. We thank you for them being a part of our faith family. Lord, we thank you for their wisdom and their experiences that we get to glean from as we interact with them weekly, Lord. And we just, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would continue to just affirm in their lives, God, that you have so much more you desire to use them and in the lives of their grandchildren, their children, their great-grandchildren, others that they impact on a weekly basis in their spheres of influence, that there is so much you have called them to do and to be a part of on this earth for your glory in reaching people with the gospel. Continue to keep them in good health and strength. And, Lord, we just thank you for each of them, bringing them here to be a part of this faith family. And, Lord, we thank you that we can pray for those in our community that we partner with through the Montgomery Baptist Association. And, Lord, we thank you so much for Jeremy Lynch and his leadership, with the food bus ministry here in the in the river region as he drives the bus all over and brings the gospel and food and um, sometimes clothing and just different places that are in dire need in different poor communities or we pray you continue to give jeremy and his team wisdom as they travel each weekend to different parts of this area and uh, we pray for your continued provision for the food that they need and just everything they need, God, just equip them and just give them hearts um, that they're reaching, God, that you would prepare every heart, even this weekend and next weekend, those that they're going to impact, just by handing a bag of food and then, Lord, bringing them the beautiful bread of life, the, the gospel and the love that you give, Lord. We just pray you continue to give them wisdom and guidance. And, Lord, we thank you for Pastor Samuel and New Life in Christ Church who meets here on this campus after we're finished, and thank you for the relationship we've had with them for over 12 years, and God, we just pray your continued blessing upon this Hispanic congregation and praying your blessing upon their leadership and Pastor Samuel and his family. Lord, we pray you continue to give them influence and impact in all their jobs and the situations where they're reaching out and trying to influence the Hispanic community in this city. Continue to protect them and give leadership, wisdom, and discernment, strategies, and vision for this local congregation. We thank you so much. Uh, that they're a part of our family, that they're uh, part of the body of Christ, and that we get to partner together and and provide this building and this campus for them to do the work of your ministry, Lord, that you've called them to. And, Lord, we thank you we get to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. And, Lord, we lift up the team right now that's in southern Mozambique, reaching out to the Chopi people, that they have raised up churches in that community. And right now they're receiving training and discipleship and leadership development for their pastors and other leaders within the church. We just pray, God, you continue to bless them, give them wisdom as they shepherd the sheep in that community of the Chopee people. And God, we just pray for a harvest in the name of Jesus that as these individuals go out into the community, evangelizing and trying to raise up and continue to plant churches all over that community, Lord, we pray that you give them wisdom, protection. And God, we just know you're gonna work on the hearts of those people. We pray for revival in that area to impact that area of Mozambique. And Lord, we thank you for your provision. You're a good God, and we thank you for the offering that was given today, um, whether it's online or given in the, in the back, Lord. We just pray continue to bless uh, the finances that we have, continue to give leadership, wisdom, Lord, on how to be good stewards of what you have provided, uh, that we can do kingdom work here at Gateway. And lastly, Lord, thank you so much for our shepherd. We thank you for Grady. Thank you for his love for us, as shepherding us, bringing your word each week, faithfully studying. And I just love throughout the week him popping his head in and talking about different things you're revealing to him as he prepares the sermons and us talking through things. And he just gets so excited, Lord, as he's preparing as much as to bring your word each week. We just pray a blessing upon him today, guide and direct him by your spirit. Give us hearts to receive, ears to hear, and eyes to see, Lord. And we just give you glory and honor and praise. And just thank you for all you're going to continue to do throughout this time. In Jesus' name, amen. And
1: amen. first to fourth graders who'd like to go to kids' worship, you're dismissed now. So first to fourth graders who'd like to go to kids' worship, and Mr. Seth and Ms. Megan. Now for the rest of you, get a little bit of elbow room now. Well, while the kids are all on the move, if you will find Genesis chapter 4... In your copy of God's Word, Genesis chapter 4, if you're visiting with us today, we are taking a full year to work through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. There's so much in these first 11 chapters of Genesis about who God is and who we are and God's will for our lives and His plan for the world. And so we're in the midst of that. We're 26 weeks into our study, so we're at about the halfway point of our journey through Genesis 1 to 11. This morning, we're in Genesis chapter 4. Now, last week, we began the account of Cain and Abel, the first two children on earth, These two sons born to Adam and Eve. And last week in the first five verses of chapter 4 that we looked at, we saw that the scripture tells us very little about the early life and even the young adulthood of these two boys. We know very little about their upbringing as the first sons on this earth. Why? Because the scripture wanted to focus us on their relationship to God. Because it's the most important part of their lives and the most important part of our lives as well. And so Genesis 4, 1 to 5, what we saw last week, focused on their relationship to God, particularly through the offerings they brought. Now, if you remember back from last week, Abel brought an offering to the Lord. But he brought an offering from a heart that had faith and trust in God. And he did so from a heart that loved God, where he wanted to give God his best. And so God accepted Abel's offering. But Cain also brought an offering. He did all the externals. Outwardly, it looked right, but he lacked faith in God. He lacked love for God, and so God rejected Cain's worship. Now, as we saw last week, one of the key lessons for us from this account of Cain and Abel is the truth that not all worship pleases God. Not all worship pleases God. We can do the right external things and God not be pleased with it because God sees the heart. God just doesn't look at the externals. He sees the heart and the motivation for what we do. And so we saw last week that worship that pleases God comes from the heart of one who trusts God and one who loves God. And this truth that God sees our hearts and that God cares about our hearts is going to be important for what we come to today as we look at verses 6 and 7. Because this morning we're going to see, as we continue through the story of Cain and Abel, we're going to see more about God looking into our hearts. But this time it's going to deal with sin. And not sin in general, but how we view the sinful desires inside each one of us. The verses we come to today talk about how I'm to view my sin and how you are to view your sin. And so as we come to verses 6 and 7 today, realize this flows immediately after Cain's wrong approach to God. Immediately after bringing an offering to God from a lack of faith and a lack of love, this is what God does. And what's so striking as we read this text, this is God still pursuing Cain. He could have struck Cain dead right then and there for bringing an offering, doing the externals with a heart that was far from God. But God still pursues Cain, and God shows Cain how to view his sin and God shows us how we need to view the sin in our own hearts as well. So we look at Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 this morning, be looking for what does God teach Cain about his sin, but also what do we learn about the sin in our own hearts as well. Genesis 4, 6 and 7, can I ask you to stand please in honor of the reading of the Word of God. I'll be reading out the English Standard Version, and we'll also have the words on the screen for you. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Would you pray with me? And Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you you've spoken to us through your word and given us your revelation and your truth. And I pray this morning for myself and these precious brothers and sisters, Lord, that we would understand the treasure of what we are holding and what we are looking at that we have the very words of the great I am revealed to us and even put into our language so that we can know you and better know ourselves and know what it looks like to be in relationship with you. So God, would you take your word, would you let your word move in power in our lives, would you let your Holy Spirit take your word and let it sink into each one of our hearts, giving us hope where we need hope, giving us conviction where we need conviction. Lord, have your way, use your word to transform us as your people, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be... Seated. I want to go and tell you what I see as the main truth of this text. Then we're going to unpack this and work through it this morning. This is the main truth I want you to take away from these two verses we just read Is this, friends. God sees the sins within us, and he calls us to be aware of those sins and to run to him in repentance. This is a text all about sins but the sins inside. This is not a text for us to look at and think about the person sitting next to us or the people we know. This is a text for us to hold up the mirror and look in our own heart because God sees the sin in my heart and God sees all the sins in your heart as well. And God calls us to be aware of those sins and to deal with those sins by running to him in repentance. That's what we see God doing with Cain here in this text. God sees the sin of Cain's heart. God sees things in Cain's heart that Abel did not see, that Adam and Eve could not see, but God saw it. And so God in his grace reveals to Cain his sin, but does even more than that in this incredible act of mercy. God calls Cain to run to him in repentance. God even shows him what it looks like to run to him in repentance. And God does the same thing for us today. God sees the sins within us and calls us to be aware of those sins and to run to him in repentance. So let's unpack that and see that in our text this morning. Let's start with the idea that God sees the sins within us. Go back to verse 6 of our text and notice how it begins. The Lord said to Cain, now again this is the Lord, this is Yahweh, the covenant keeping God, and he sees, it says to, he says to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? The all-knowing, all-seeing God obviously could see that Cain's face had fallen. He could see the facial expression, but even more, he could see the anger in Cain's heart, the anger deep within his heart that others could not see. God could see, Yahweh could see deep into Cain's soul. Now realize, friends, Cain has not expressed any anger outwardly yet. We're going to come to that next week. This is anger in his heart that's not visible to others. And so God addresses the sinful anger of Cain's heart. That's an important point for us today, friends, because there's a lot of wrong perspectives on anger in our lives. If you hear people talk about anger in their life, you often hear the expression, I need to vent my anger. And the danger with that perspective on anger is that makes us not responsible for it, right? If I'm venting my anger, it's something not in me. It's something separate from me that I'm trying to get rid of. But that's not how God sees anger. In verse 6 here, he asks Cain, why are you angry? In other words, God is saying to Cain, you have chosen this path. You are choosing to be angry. You don't have to go down that path. And friends, the reality is anger is a choice we make to situations that we don't like. And that's exactly what Cain is doing here. That's why God asked him why. God doesn't say, Cain, why haven't you vented your anger? Now he's dealing with the heart of Cain here and why Cain has chosen anger. He's chosen to be angry with God. He's chosen to be angry with his brother. And that's not the path that God wants him to go down you see this in the New Testament as well. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why? Verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Nothing good comes from sinful anger in our lives and nothing good was going to come from Cain's sinful anger as we will see next week in the verses that follow. So God in his grace not only sees Cain's sinful anger, God deals with it. He pursues Cain to make sure Cain is aware of his own sin and these sinful attitudes in his heart. And even that, friends, is another powerful reminder for us. We may do a really good job hiding our sin from other people. You may do a good job hiding your sin from your spouse from your boss, from your friends, from others at church. You may even try really hard to hide your sin from yourself and not deal with it or think about it, but God always sees. And no sin, no sinful thought or motivation escapes the ever-present gaze of our holy God. God always sees it for what it is. In 1 Chronicles 28, David is talking to Solomon about building a temple, and look at what he says. And you, Solomon, my son... Know the God of your father and serve Him. Now, how is He to serve Him? Serve Him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. Again, God cares about the heart. God cares about the desires within us. God cares about our thoughts, not just the externals. And this is what David says: For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. That means the Lord has searched every heart of everyone in this room today. God knows every thought of everyone in this room today. And then David continues and says, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. God sees our every thought. God sees our every desire. Those thoughts that you hope no one ever finds out about, that you hope to take to your grave, those thoughts you try to forget yourself, the ever-present God sees them and sees deep in your soul and in your mind and sees them all. God sees the sin within us, and he calls us to be aware of it, not hide the reality of our sin. But God not only sees He also helps Cain see that this sin is so dangerous to him. God warns us about the danger of our sin. It's not just, oh, there's sin there. God gives a strong warning about the threat to us. And again, friends, in our culture, we so much want to find a reason to blame everything else for our sin besides ourselves. We're going to blame our friends, our bad influence. we want to blame our circumstances. We try to find so many things to pass the blame to besides owning our sin, ourself. But the reality is, you've heard me say before, the problem is not out there. The problem is in here. If we go down sinful paths, it's because of what's in our heart, not because of the circumstances that we are in. We see this all throughout Scripture. Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from... Proceeds from where? Where does it proceed from? It comes from your heart. And this is defiles a person. Verse 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, and slander. The problem is not the circumstances. The problem is my heart and your heart. James 1 tells us the same things. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by all the bad people around him in this bad circumstances and the lack of adequate education. And No, we're lured by our own Desires Once again, verse 15. Then desire when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Friends, that is why God asked questions of Cain. Go back to verse 6. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? No one made Cain angry. No circumstances made Cain angry. He chose this path of sin. Like how God continues in verse 7 here. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, we're going to come back to that in a minute. If you do not do well, notice this. Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. There's a warning here about sin. God is helping Cain and us realize that the greatest danger to us is in here, not out there. This is another first in Scripture for us. This is the first time the word sin appears in Scripture. Now, we've seen sin before, right? We've seen, it with, we've seen it with Adam and Eve. We've seen the consequences of sin. But this is the first time the word sin appears in Scripture. But you'll see it many other times in Scripture. And what's so striking is the first time the word sin appears in Scripture is connected with this terrifying description of what sin is like in me and in you. Look back at this phrase in verse 7. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. Here, sin is described as being active. Sin is, in fact, compared to an animal here. If you think of predatory animals that crouch in hiding, ready to strike, to ambush their prey when the time is right, that's the picture that's being given for us here about sin. This is a picture of an animal at the door of wherever it's staying, waiting to strike. The idea of a door here, the door is where the animal would live, the the hole that the snake is in, the log the snake is under, the den that the bear is in, the animal is out of sight, meaning we forget it is there, but it is poised and ready to strike the prey. This is the image when you read this of what sin is like, is the image of the snake. On the side of the trail waiting to strike the hiker who walks by. My worst fear, hiking in the woods. Um, it's the picture of a bear that's been hiding in the bushes or hiding in the den. And when the deer comes running by, it's ready to pounce and destroy the deer. It's the picture of a shark in the ocean when the seal swims by or the bird lands. It comes out of its hiding to strike and destroy the animal. That is the picture that we are being given here about what the sin in my heart is like and what the sin in your heart is like as well. Go back to verse 7 here. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It's in hiding. You forget it's there. Its desire is for you. That means desire means it's trying to master you. Your sin nature that you inherited from Adam, that you were born with, desires to master you, desires to destroy you, desires to bring you down, and is waiting for the right opportunity to strike. Now, let me remind us, friends, this is not some illustration that modern pastors have come up with to help us understand sin. This is Yahweh speaking. This is God himself speaking, helping us understand, helping Cain understand, helping us understand how deadly our sin is and how much to our own peril we take it lightly. You'll see this not just in Genesis 4. You see this truth throughout Scripture. For example, Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions your sin nature within inside of you and my sin nature inside of me wants me to obey it instead of obeying god galatians chapter 5 verse 17 the desires of the flesh these are your sinful desires they are against the spirit the desires of the spirit are against the flesh these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. They keep you from doing God's will. So your sin is actively opposing you, is actively opposing God's work in your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which which clings so closely that our sin clings to us. It's hard to get rid of it. James chapter 1, verse 14. We saw it earlier. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed By his own desire. Sin is dangerous. It pursues our sinful nature, wants the evil out there, and so we're so quick to run to it. It It's such as deadly. We saw it earlier, but back to James 1.15, the consequence of the sin that clings so closely to us. Desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Friends, our sin nature is like an animal crouching and hiding, waiting to destroy, and it's trying to destroy us. And to make it worse, there's a very real enemy who hates God and hates us and will do all he can to stir up those desires in our heart. First Peter 5 reminds us of that. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a warring lion. as seeking someone to devour. And often it's pretty easy for him too because our own desires want what we're being tempted with out there and he tries to destroy. So God is warning Cain here and God is warning us sin is serious. Those desires and thoughts that we justify so much are serious sin is not to be trifled with. And so God reminds Cain and us, he sees all of those sins, even ones no one else sees, and he calls us to see how dangerous they are to us. But awareness of sin is not the only thing God calls us to do here, because once he makes us aware of it, he also calls us to repent of it. God calls us not just to be aware of the sinful tendencies. He calls us to repent of those sinful tendencies. Now, we've talked, we talk about repentance often, but let me remind us what we're talking about. It's a big word, but it's important. When we talk about repentance, repentance involves our mind, our emotions, our heart, And our will. Repentance is not biblical repentance unless it involves all three. It's our mind. It's agreeing with God about our sin. That's where repentance starts, saying, God, I've sinned against you. I've done what is wrong. I've broken your standard. You see this in the Psalms, in Psalm 51, in David's prayer confession. You see David's mind agreeing with God. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. Repentance begins with agreeing with God, like David was saying back in verse four, that Lord, I've done evil in Your sight; You're justified in Your judgments against me. It's His mind agreeing with it, but repentance is not just an intellectual knowledge; it's a heart that is broken over our sin. You see this in Psalm fifty-one, seventeen: "The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit; a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, You will not despise." So, repentance is God. I did what was wrong. Your standard is good. Your standard is right. I have violated it. And Lord, I'm sorry. My heart is breaking over it. It's a contrite heart. I'm broken because my sin has offended a holy God. My sin has hurt others. But repentance is not just the mind and the emotions. Repentance is an act of the will, also. It's saying, God, I want to change. I love what David says in Psalm 51:10 here. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Biblical repentance is God, you're right in your standards. My heart aches over my sin, how it's hurt others and hurt you, God. But it's a a lack of contentment staying where we are, saying, God, I won't change. Give me grace to transform me. So back to Genesis chapter 4, back to verse 6. This is what God is calling Cain to do to his mind, emotion, and wills to repent of his sin. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? This is like the questions he asked um, Cain's parents in the gardens. Where are you? Have you from the tree? I've commanded you not to. Now, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? God is not asking Cain these questions to get information. God already knows it. he's asking these to point Cain to repentance. He's making repentance easy for Cain. Cain would just go down the path just like he did with Adam and Eve. Cain, why are you angry? What he's looking for is Cain to go, I shouldn't be, but I am. You're right, God. It's your standard. I've broken it. My heart is heavy that I've broken your standard. Please forgive me. God is asking a question to make it easy for Cain to run to him in repentance. But God in his grace does even more. He doesn't just make it that easy. He also shows him what this transforming looks like, what repentance actually would look like for Cain. You've heard me say it many times before when we talk about pursuing holiness, when we talk about repentance, it's putting off the old ways, right? And it's putting on. Christ's likeness. And that's what we see God laying out for Cain right here, putting off, turning from his sinful ways, but then putting on doing what God has said is right. Notice that pattern even here in verses six and seven. Go to verse seven here, the very end of verse seven. His desire is for you, but you must rule. Over it. This is the put off part. He's saying, Cain, if you will repent, rule over your desires. Put off those sinful desires. You don't have to go down this path of anger. You don't have to go down this path that's going to lead you to murder. Put it off. You master these desires that are trying to control you. Put them off. That's what Paul tells the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 22, that we're to put off we're to get rid of our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That is what God is telling Cain here, to put off his sinful ways, to put off his anger, to put off his lack of faith, to put off his lack of love, to put those things off and not go down that path. But there's more than that, because God's goal for Cain is not for Cain to not be angry and then go on his selfish way. God wants more for Cain, wants something better for Cain than this, so God tells him to put on something. Go back to verse 7, the first phrase, if you do well will you not be accepted? If you do well, if you do right, if you obey God, in other words, if he would obey God by bringing the sacrifices, but bringing them from a heart that loves God, but by bringing them from a heart that has faith and trust in God, if he would now obey God by choosing joy instead of anger, choosing service to others instead of jealousy, he could do right. He could, by God's grace, obey God in this. Now, friends, what would happen if he had repented? What would happen if he had put off The anger put off the lack of faith and put on love and joy in its place. Well, he tells us here in verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, if you read the New American Standard, it's going to read very different than that. This literally in the Hebrew, it reads more literally, if you do right, there is uplift. That's the most correct translation. If you do right, there is uplift here. If you do well, I think the New American Standard says, will not your countenance be lifted up? So which is it? If you do right, you'll be accepted. If you do well, your countenance will be lifted up. Which is it? Yes, it's both. These are two sides of the same coin. It's really saying the same thing here. Because if Cain repented... Like God was inviting him to and began to obey and began to make offerings from a heart that had faith in God, that had love for God. If Cain obeyed by putting off his anger and put on love and joy in his place, he could stand before God with a clear conscience, knowing that God now has accepted his worship. And if he stood before God without the guilt of sin and shame on his shoulders, his countenance would be lifted up. He'd be able to look up and to gaze at God and to find joy in his heart when the joy replaces the shame. And so if Cain would obey here and repent, he would find joy as God accepts his worship. He'd find joy in being restored to fellowship with God. He would find joy in having his sin and shame dealt with. Friends, that is a beautiful description of what repentance does for us. Because when we repent and God forgives, God restores us to a right fellowship with him. We find joy knowing our sins are forgiven. Psalm 51, notice what David says when he repents of his awful sins. Let me hear joy and gladness what the bones that you have broken are Now rejoice, verse 9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Friends, when we don't hide our sins, but we deal with the sins as God reveals them to us in his word and through the work of his Holy Spirit, when we deal with them, the brokenness and the shame, the downcast faces can be lifted up knowing that we've been restored to a right relationship with God. So realize how merciful God is being to Cain. God could have struck Cain dead right then and there for bringing wrong worship to the Lord. Instead, God pursues Cain. God warns him of the dangerous sin, comparing it to an animal to destroy him. God asks questions to bring him to repentance. God shows him how to put off his old ways. God shows him what it looks like to put on faith in God. But what did Cain do? So we're going to see next week Cain rejects all of that. Cain rejects these warnings. He rejects these images. He rejects these truths that he heard from God. He ignores it all. Verse 8. This is what we'll explore more next week. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and killed him. He has just heard the voice of God warning him. He has just been told how to put off and put on. He's just been told the warnings of what sin is trying to do to him and he ignores it all and immediately leaves the presence of God and he goes and he murders his brother. This shows us a hardened heart that he could hear the voice of God and choose to reject it. Kent Hughes, who's one of my favorite commentators and scholars on Genesis, said this. He said, Cain stood at the edge of hell, but sadly, God's graphic words about sin as a crouching beast bounced off his hardening heart, and in monumental willfulness, he began his descent into the pit. Hear that again. Cain stood at the edge of hell, but sadly, God's graphic words about sin as a crouching beast bounced off his hardening heart, and in monumental willfulness, he began his descent into the pit. Another author I read said it so well. He said, Cain is the classic model of an unconverted, undelivered, unsaved, lost sinner. Cain is the original apostate who, when confronted by God with the opportunity for forgiveness and the opportunity for deliverance, refuses. He's the first unbeliever who ever lived. This is sobering because Cain chose his sin over God's grace. Cain chose his deadly path over the clear path that God revealed to him is a path of life. Cain loved his sin more than he loved God. Another author I read this week said it so well. He said, Cain basically said to God, Sorry, I don't want your righteousness. I don't want your forgiveness. I don't want a relationship with you. I want my sin. And Cain loved his sin in the path, and so he rejected God's very clear warnings and word and went down his path. And we'll see next week more of the consequences of that choice. The reality today is there's many people today who are still doing that. And we all know people who are still doing that, going down the path of sin, shaking their fist at God, not literally, but saying, I don't want your forgiveness, God. I want my way. But friends, the reality is each one of us in this room have done that at times as well, haven't we? We hear God's voice. Scripture is clear. We have the voice of God recorded for us. Genesis to Revelation. We know the will of God. And there's times that we just flat out ignore it because we want to continue in the sinful attitudes and thoughts we have chosen instead of running to the word of God. There's a sobering statement that Jesus said to religious leaders, and I think it's perhaps, that was not about Cain, I think it's perhaps one of the best summary of Cain's life. Is John chapter 8, verse 37. Jesus says to these Jewish religious leaders, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. Why? Because my word finds no place in you. And friends, I think that is exactly what we see happening here in Genesis 4 with Cain. That God's words found no place in Cain. There was a call to repentance. Why are you angry? There was a path forward for Cain. Put off. Don't let this master you. Put on. Do what is right. Do what I've said. There's the offering of forgiveness that before him. He's seen all of this. Cain has even been probably to the garden gate and seen the cherubim garden. He's heard the voice of God. He has all these opportunities. And yet God's word found no place in Cain. That sad truth then begs the question for each single one of us. What place does God's word find in me? What place does God's word find in you? And friends, that takes us even back to a more foundational question. Are we even trying to hear God's voice in his word? Are we reading this? Are we opening this book daily wanting to hear the voice of God? Are we wanting the Holy Spirit to take the word of God and to change us through it? Or do we love other words more than the words of God? Do we spend more time on our devices than in the word of God? Do we spend more time wanting to read political commentary than the word of God? Do we want more of the words of all the commentators in our culture than the word of God? Whereas if we hear the word of God, the question for us again is what place is it taking in our life? John 8, 37, my word finds no place in you. What place does God's word find in me and in you? especially when it deals with those sinful heart attitudes that no one sees, especially when it deals with sinful thoughts that no one else sees, when it lays us bare before the holy gaze of God, what place is God's word finding in our heart? So the question for us is, are we like Cain? Are we rejecting God's pursuit of us? Are we rejecting God's correction of us, God's discipline of us? Are we loving our sin and ignoring it or justifying it because we like the path that we are on? Or are we people who are living a life of grace-given repentance? where God is stirring our hearts to want to hear his word. He's stirring our hearts to want to walk with him. And so because we all sin daily, are we people who are learning how to agree with God daily about our sin? Are we people who are, by God's grace, feeling sadness over our sin each day? Are we people who are putting off those old ways by the strength God gives and putting on Christ's likeness because God gives us strength to do that? Friends, you and I have hearts full of sin, just like Cain. And God sees all those sins. And he calls us to be aware of those sins as well and to run to him in repentance. At least, to one last question for us this morning. How is it even possible for us to repent? How is it possible to, for us to really change? For Cain, it was possible because the promised Messiah was going to come. He was going to crush the head of the serpent. And so for those in Cain's time, there was a foreseen faith that a promised deliverer was coming. And if they would put their faith in the one who would deal with their sin, then they could repent of their sins and find forgiveness knowing God would take away their guilt because it would be paid for in the future by the Messiah. But for us on the other side of the cross, we can repent of our sins not because we're wise or smart. We can do it only because God has made a way for us to repent because Christ has come. And dealt with the penalty. So when we as his children sin each day, we can now repent of those sins and be restored to God because the penalty has been paid. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. It's a great text on this. We're told to let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. This is the put off, right? Do not obey the passions. Everything that we're seeing about sin right now. Sin wants us to obey its passions, but we don't need to go down that path. Verse 13, he carries on. Do not present your members to sin. Put it off as instruments for righteousness, but present yourselves. Here's the put on. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Friends, the only way you and I can repent of our sins and not go down the path of Cain is if we've already been brought from death to life. The act of repentance is something that only followers of Christ can do because God has made a way. He's taken us from death to life and given us a nature that can now feel sorrow for our sin, that can agree with His standard, that can find His grace to change. It's only possible to brought from death to life. And then we can, as God says, to put on making your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Verse 14 in Romans 6 carries on there. For sin will have no dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Because that's the only hope for us is because of what Christ has done, we now are under grace. And repentance is now possible for those who have experienced his saving grace and are experiencing his transforming grace. James Montgomery Boyce, another one of my favorite scholars on Genesis, said this. I want you to see this quote. He says, if we would master sin, we must first be mastered by him who mastered it. We must be the masters. There's a lot of words in that that sound the same, right? But if we want to master sin, if we go, okay, I have these sins in my life. and I know they displease God. I want to change. How is it possible? It's only possible if first we been master by Christ. If we belong to Christ, it is possible. Unless we belong to Christ, we are slaves and lost in our sin. But if we belong to Christ, he loves us too much to leave us where we are and he will pursue us like he pursued Cain with his transforming grace, calling us to repent, calling us to own up our sin and to run to him where he will meet us where we are and not just say, I forgive you, go back, but forgive us and change us to make us into who he wants us to be. God sees the sins within me and within you and he calls us to be aware of those sins and to run to him in repentance. And in light of all that, it's fitting that we close today celebrating how that grace is possible and that's how him who masters sin who never sinned once but became sin for us and has forgiven us, how this grace is even possible. So we're going to end this morning celebrating communion together, celebrating the grace that God has given to us. Friends, if you have been mastered by Christ, in the words of voice there, you're welcome to come celebrate with us. If you, it doesn't matter if you're a member of Gateway or not, but if you have been forgiven by Christ and you know you're a child of God, not because of things you've done, but because of His grace that has pursued you, and you see the fruit of it, there's change in your life because you are a child of God, then you are welcome to come take it with us. <clears throat> this is a celebration that Christ has freed us from the penalty of sin, that on the cross, Christ took the penalty that I deserve and you deserve, that would have taken us an eternity in hell to pay for. In a moment, He took the wrath of God you heard me say many times, friend, no sin is ever forgiven. Only sinners are forgiven. Every sin is dealt with. Either we will pay for it for all eternity in hell or Christ bore it in a moment. Every sin will be dealt with because God is a holy God. And if you are in Christ, he has freed you from the penalty of sin, not because the penalty went away, because Christ, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he took the penalty from you. If you're in Christ, though, sin is not just you're free from the penalty of sin, you're free from the power of sin, you're being freed from that. This whole life is what this text is about, of God delivering us from the power of sin over a step-by-step If he sanctifies in this life. As we celebrate communion, it's also the forward-looking hope that one day we'll be freed from the presence of sin, and we'll spend eternity with no more sin, no more pain, no more temptation in God's presence. Forever. Friends, if you know you've been freed from the penalty of sin, if you see God at work in you, freeing you from the power of sin now, and if you have the hope of eternity with God when you're freed from the presence of sin, we invite you to come celebrate how that grace is taken. As we break the bread, it reminds us that Christ's body was hung on that cruel Roman cross. That there on the cross, he took the sins that I should pay for and you should pay for forever. And his body was broken for us. As we take the juice, it is a reminder for us that Christ's blood was shed. The scripture is clear, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And so it reminds us of Christ's shed blood for us. So we take these elements as an act of worship, as an act of remembrance, but also an act of longing for eternity where we see Christ face to face and we spend eternity in His presence. So if you're a follower of Christ, we invite you and welcome you to come celebrate. In just a moment, after I pray, our ushers will direct you. You'll come down the middle aisle. Please keep two lines coming down the middle aisle and then return to your sections. You can sit there, and we want you to have time to reflect and pray, to thank the Lord, to worship the Lord, to examine your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. This is a time for you to do business with God. And if there's sins in your heart that you've not been dealing with, before you take this... Take him in and do business with God and repent of those sins. It's also time for you to reflect and just thank the Lord. If you haven't thanked him for his grace, it's a great time to take a few minutes where you're seated while others are getting the elements to rejoice in the grace of God. Now friends, in a room this size, there are some of you who do not know Christ. You may know about him, but it's not made it here and you don't know him in a personal way. If that's you... We just want to ask you to remain in your seat. Please don't come take. The scripture warns us about taking this in an unworthy manner. So we'd encourage you, if you do not know Christ in a personal way, just remain in your seat. No one's going to seek you out. No one's going to embarrass you. But just sit, stay where you are and just examine your heart and think about who God is and what he offers to you. I'm going to pray, and then our praise team will come, and then the ushers will direct you to come receive the elements. Father God, we are so thankful for your grace that pursues us in our sin. Lord, we are so thank you seem so inadequate to realize that when we deserve nothing but wrath and nothing but hell and nothing but judgment, you have made a way, Lord, for us to be restored to a right relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray right now for all those in this room who know you in a personal way, who have experienced your grace, that as they come and they receive the bread and drink the juice, that you would fill their hearts with awe and thankfulness that they are recipients of your grace. Would you fill their hearts with worship to you as they think about the grace they've received? And Lord, we all have sin in our life, and there's sin in our hearts that we've not been dealing with. Would you let your Holy Spirit come and bring conviction in our hearts that we would repent in this moment here and ask you for your grace to change us. So Lord, be convicting us, be giving us hope, all at the same time doing what you need to do. Lord, for those in this room who do not know you in a personal way, What I pray right now is they sit where they are, that, Lord, that you would meet them and you convict them and you would pursue them and they would see their need of you and that, Lord, that they would see your glory and your greatness and they would long to know you. Lord, work in this moment as only you can, strengthening your people, drawing nonbelievers to yourself, doing what only you can do. Lord, shape us and mold us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs)
0: Y'all stand with us as we get ready to sing.
3: All-sufficient
2: Yeah. together. Sing that it is done. The price has been paid on the cross as we just celebrated through communion, through his body broken and his blood shed. Let's just sing this out. When it is done.
1: Father, you've heard the praise of your people. We come to you through no merit on our part. We come only bringing sin. And we stand before you simply clothed in Christ's righteousness because of what he has done for us. I pray the thankfulness we feel even in singing that to you right now would not go away by the end of this day. But all week long, you'd remind us of the cross, you'd remind us of our sin, but you would remind us of your grace that is greater than all of our sin. And we'd have hearts of worship and hearts of awe and hearts of thankfulness all week long as we celebrate and think about your grace and rely on it each step of the way. And we give you the praise for it all and ask you to do it now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great Sunday afternoon.